0: log talk
1: Radio hi and welcome everybody to our latest out podcast. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by AT&T, Mobilizing Your World, this is Sid Ziegler, with Jim Baczynski, both here in sunny but chilly Los Angeles. I I have friends in town from Massachusetts, and even they said it feels cold in in L.A., so Jim, I don't don't feel like too much of a wimp saying it's chilly out.
0: December is always the uh, coldest month in in, uh, L.A. every year.
1: <laughs> when my editing yeah, bill goes up, up in they, January
0: as well. Mm. But uh, so you must be all geeked out. Your uh, Star Wars is uh, coming tonight. Do you get tickets? I assume, uh, uh,
1: Oh, I bought. I had tickets two two months ago. And where are you seeing <laughs> The historic, the Cinerama Dome, in oh. in three D. I'm a little wary of the three D, but no. Uh, oh really?
0: I would get nauseous. So.
1: Well, we, we, and we got seats right up front in the, I think, the third or fourth row. But in the Cinerama Dome, the, the the first row is a good 50 feet back from the screen. So there really is not a bad seat in the house. But What time is it I'm excited. Show? I, uh, 10.30 at night. They're, they're showing it in the Cinerama Dome every half hour for 72 hours. So you could go on Sunday morning at 4.30 a.m. and just, there's a showing. I don't you know mean at the ArcLight, right? But...
0: I mean, the Cinerama just wanted they can't yeah. be showing it at the Cinerama Dome because
1: it yeah, over- ArcLight. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. The Cinerama the the Dome is just it's just part of the ArcLight, which is a a larger complex. But it's been crazy to see how much uh, the sports media and uh, everybody is going bonkers over Star Wars. I mean, everyone is doing Star Wars themed posts and articles and and videos, and it really is. I, it, it, it is kind of a phenomenon. It was, from from what I've heard, the biggest premiere ever in on Hollywood Boulevard. And they rented, they had three theaters. There there are two huge theaters right there, and then they rented out one more. So it's kind of a big thing that, 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 that Jim could not care less about. Well,
0: I only saw one Star Wars movie, and that was the one with Jar Jar Binks, and it was so lousy I decided, eh. I don't get the. F- you I don't, saw I mean, literally the worst one ever made, <laughs> which is what I was told. I saw it'd be like showing someone a comedy reel. Oh, this is a great comedy up to watch, it and they think, "Oh my god, this show's terrible." So, yeah, I
1: might go to see uh, it. I well, go to
0: see a movie with friends every New Year's Eve, and I will not, I won't veto it. So
1: it's getting and it's got uh, has a ninety four on Rotten Tomatoes, which I, is is really high. That means. That the the critics are liking it, and and I've talked Jason Collins. I I, I messaged with him to ask him how it was. He was at the premiere, and and he said it's awesome. He said it's awesome. There's he said there's a lot of humor in it. So I you know it it sounds like they really hit the, the tone of the of the first three movies, and I I I just can't wait. But here we are. It's almost we've turned into Grantland, being a a, a sports site talking about everything but sports. <laughs> Uh, we do have a lot to talk about actually today there's been a lot of great stuff happening usually uh, you know as we approach the holidays we kind of start winding down some content but we've had a lot of great stuff and and one of the themes that I wanted to talk about today was this idea of living an open secret in in sports we had three people in sports, three men in sports uh, pro sports come out this week we have Kurt Miller the new head coach of the Connecticut Sun and the WNBA we have uh, Bill Kennedy the the NBA referee and Eric Braverman the the LA Dodgers executive and it's interesting to me Jim with each one of these is they each one of them many of their colleagues knew they were gay obviously they had relationships they they had circles of friends that knew they were gay but the general public and the media didn't and 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 I know in 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 Kurt and Eric's case they had people asking them a number of times they were always like "Eh, i don't really want to now so it's funny as i was writing kurt's story i kept saying you know publicly out and he's like well i was publicly out i mean people knew the public knew just the media didn't and i started wondering like is there a is there a better term for us to start using than publicly out because these guys were kind of publicly out like many of them many people who knew them were like um that was not a secret
0: no, I, I mean I, I disagree in only in the sense that for we mean publicly out that if you could have, you know, done a Google search or had something written about him, and if because there, are, like Dale Scott would, could claim he was publicly out as an umpire because everybody knew his, you know, people in his circle knew it wasn't a secret, but until it was the story was told publicly, nobody really knew, and it didn't have a an impact that Eric had by actually telling a story to a media outlet. So I think that's the difference. Um, I would say someone could be out, openly gay, but not publicly out. So, I mean, it's, it might, it's not really splitting hairs, but it's sort of, I think, what exactly uh, um, the definition to me means.
1: Well, you know what, I know certainly in, in Kurt and Eric's case, and we haven't talked to Bill Kennedy yet, uh, he, he shared his story with Yahoo Sports. But I know in each of their, their case uh, – they both knew that it was important to tell their story publicly. They both identified long ago that it was important for them to do so, but they were still reticent to do so. And it it's been interesting for me talking with both of them over the years, this kind of yin and yang and trying to find the right time and the right time and it, and that's kind of, you know, how I started the, the, the article about Kurt. It's like it's never been the, the "quote unquote" right time, and it's 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 just interesting that these guys are, even though they're totally out and they know they would be totally accepted, they're still looking for the "quote unquote" right time to tell their story.
0: Well, I think the question, if you if you kind of wait for the right time, there may never be a right time in somebody's mind. I mean, probably in Eric's case, I'm guessing after the season was more of the right time because there, you know, it's not happening while the season's in progress. For Bill Kennedy, the right time was that he was called a faggot on the court by Rajon Rondo and basically decided, all right, I'm going to I'm going to, to tell the world what everybody kind of knows. Um, yeah, I mean, I always found that right time would be a little bit of a dodge because you could always find an excuse not to do something. But in in, you know, in their cases, um, you know, they finally told their story, and Kurt, you know, getting the job with, with the WNBA team is great because he's going to be known from day one as, um, you know, an openly gay coach in pro sports, which I think he's the first, right? The first man.
1: Yeah. Well, he, he was. He's been with the Sparks, LA Sparks, for the last year, but as, as an assistant coach, and and so he, he's he, as far as we know, he's the first man ever hired uh, who's openly gay as a, as a, the the head coach of of a, of a pro sports team. I mean, I I, I don't know if anybody else. Do you?
0: Uh clearly nobody in, you know, NBA, NHL, uh, baseball, basketball, or soccer, no. I mean, that'd be, if, if, if you're looking at the pro sport, no, I would say no, and we would have known these other coaches anyway. So yeah, he would be the first.
1: So, you know, I, I think it's interesting to kind of have a conversation about why, why do do this? Like you know, as as you're talking with people like a um, a Dale Scott, right? So who was who was out yeah. to people and umpiring out to his friends? He had a long time relationship. Wh- why come out publicly? What like what what what's the argument that you make and when when you talk to people like like Dale? Do you have to make that argument, or do they already? Is it already? In Dale's case, it was a bit yeah. odd
0: because he had a, but a picture of himself and his partner in a referee magazine with a caption. So. He technically was already out, even though like nobody saw the article. You know, even I think you get referee magazine and you overlooked it because you had a you had to read the caption. It wasn't even in the story itself. So I approached him as saying, "You're out, basically. So I'm going to write something, and I'd like to do it with your cooperation." He was fantastic. It wasn't until after the fact that his attitudes changed because he was getting email from all sorts of people, not just you know people in sports, people in other professions, where cops, firefighters thanking him for being a role model, thanking him for doing this, thanking him for showing it's the way. And that really sort of, in his mind, crystallized why it's important, that if you're in a position where it's not going to, you know, impact your job security, you know, and you're able to do it, that you sh- you have an obligation now. I think, I think he's even used that word with me because it makes a difference. I mean, there was a 17-year-old kid in Southern California who wants to be an umpire, and he's gay, and he thought – He he thought he would leave that track because it was not possible to be um, a gay umpire. And then when he saw Dale's story, it was like, oh, well, maybe I won't be good enough, but I know my sexual orientation won't hinder me. That's why it's important, and that's what I tell people when I encourage them, that you are going to make a difference. And um, Michael Martin, the soccer player from West Virginia, who we wrote about a couple – or actually wrote a couple things for us, um, he sent me a a text yesterday from one of his – Uh, You know, they have these traveling teams and, you know, these sports and soccer, who was always – he said said send a text, I I used to preach against the gays. And then then he knew Michael was out and just like it changed his views on it. And it was like Michael said he was crying because him being publicly out changed this one person's mind. And we hear it from everybody. Every time we do a story or we help someone do a story, what do they say? Oh, my God, the response I got was amazing. People said it made a difference. So that's the argument I would make that being out in your own circle is fine for you, but why not do it so you can make a difference? Eric Braverman's going to make a difference. Kurt Miller, they're all going to make a difference because people will see it's possible. That's the argument I make to them. Well,
1: yeah, and, and Eric talked specifically about that. How he was a, when he was a kid. Uh, this was this was, was a while ago, <laughs> but but uh, but he thought he really. He, you remember thinking, well, I guess I can't work in sports if I'm gay. And then he kind of ended up in L.A. working for ABC Radio and kind of crept back into sports. And and and, and that's certainly why he did it and why Kurt Miller did it. And I mean, Kurt, you know, expressed some regret to me that that it's taken him so long. That he was a head coach at a at a couple of Division One colleges and and he didn't take the opportunity then. And it's just it's, it's so often these people. They, they they know why they need to do it because they were those kids with no role models when they were growing up, no role models in sports. And, I mean, every single time, their only regret is that they didn't do it sooner. I mean, have you ever in, in the last 15 years talked to an athlete or a coach or anybody who came out publicly on OutSports or otherwise who regretted doing it? Have you talked to one person?
0: No, no, nobody, and they've all been just thrilled by the response. And universally, when I write, I always kind of write back, check in. You glad you did the story? It's oh my god, I got so much response. My phone's blowing up. My phone died. I got so many messages. You hear that all the time, because people sort of appreciate their bravery, for want of a better word, and their courage, and. It's somebody who did that, they're all blending together, but someone said they heard from a priest in the Vatican, <laughs> a closeted gay priest, how his story inspired him. Someone last week said, oh, I got a message from someone in Paraguay. You know, like, they're reaching people in parts of the world that they never would have dreamed they would have reached. And that, to them, is so cool. And, yeah, so no one has ever, you know, regretted having done it. Yeah,
1: the only one who... I don't know if he regrets it. Michael Sam, I think that the timing of that and, and, and how things unfolded, I think it's it's interesting how that happened. I think it's a it's a complicated story. Yeah, it's almost on a different uh,
0: level, though, meaning, you know, that was, I think in some ways we're talking about, you know, we, when we work with people, we work with them in a very, you know, Michael Sam was just on a totally different level with the media and, and the NFL and. Yeah, he'll never know, really. And that's, I think, the sad part for Michael is, you know, would he have, and we can have opinions, but, you know, would he still be in the NFL if he had not come out? But um, yeah, but other than Michael, well, you yeah, I don't weigh, know of anybody.
1: If you want to weigh in on, on this or anything else we're talking about, we're at 347-945-7834, 347-945-7834. The interesting piece, Bill Kennedy... Coming out on Monday was super interesting uh, and 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 a surprise to both of us. But the most interesting piece to me was to kind of go back now and look at how the NBA and Rajon Rondo himself handled this. And from my perspective in this whole story, Bill Kennedy looks great, and everybody else looks like crap. What well, I mean, Rajon Rondo, you know, from my perspective. His his first statement afterward was a non-apology, and and you know and we kind of chronicled how it was copied and pasted from an old Kobe Bryant apology, which is just terrible. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you do something, and then 10 days later, that's all you can muster. The NBA giving him only a one-game suspension. And then Adam Silver saying, well, one of the reasons it was only one game was because I didn't want anybody asking questions about Bill Kennedy's sexual orientation. So I I, I thought the whole thing makes everybody, and and in particular, the NBA and the commissioner look pretty bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, I mean... The the excuse by Silver is a really weird sort of justification for giving him what I thought was a light penalty. I mean, Tony Kornheiser on the pardon interruption show on ESPN thought he should have got three games, which is interesting when you look at the evolution of those two because they're on all the time. Years ago, they never used to be all that bothered by the homophobia in sports, and now they're both yeah. like, you know, yeah basically throw the book at them. So I think that's a sign of of education, but – I mean, Rondo, it wasn't much of an apology. I mean, you know, I'm surprised he, you know, didn't, uh, at least he probably took out David Sturt and changed it to Adam Silver in the apology. I would have been a little more glaring, but his apology was almost word for word what Kobe issued in 2011 when he said something similar to a referee. Um, And, you know, he didn't have the balls to face the media. To me, if you're going to do that, you go out, you go to talk to reporters, and you simply let them ask you as many questions as you want to and you get it out of there and then it's like oh it doesn't so my what i really feel about lgbt people but he knew bill kennedy was gay and he chose to use that slur and he used it and he went and attacked him verbally i mean he kind of went after him i wasn't just simply said as he was walking by him so yeah the nba handled it very poorly uh, they gave him i thought an easy punishment um rondo handled it terribly and kennedy to his credit you know basically said yeah this is who i am and i'm proud of it um I know he had talked to Jason Collins, Jason, I told you, and he had talked to Dale Scott. They know each other, and Kennedy doesn't want to do any interviews, at least during the season, so probably the next time we'll hear from him will be next summer. Uh, But, yeah, I was really sort of disappointed in how the NBA handled it. And they could have talked to Bill Kennedy, and they could have said, you know, if we're asked this, you know, they could have said that. Hey, we want to give him more, but this might mean that we have to sort of let people know what he said. And my guess is, Bill County said, "Go right ahead. I'm fine with that." You know, that's that's a lame excuse to me, <laughs> right? That we didn't want to somehow. And, and, it,
1: and it speaks to I. I just think how how weakly. Really, all of these leagues, except for maybe Major League Baseball, I think they have. I think Billy Bean and Wendy Lewis have given them a, a better grasp on how to really end homophobia in their sport or really tackle. it. But I think the particularly the rest of the leagues, you know, they want to they want to bring in a speaker to talk to the rookies, and they want to fly somebody around to a couple teams to talk to front offices, and they want to have a policy. And that's about it. They don't want to actually get their hands dirty. They don't want to actually do what they need to do that is encouraging more people to come out in their sport. And and I thought that Adam Silver's response really indicated that instead of, I mean, he just sat there in his office afraid that he something might happen and Bill Kennedy might get outed or somebody might ask questions. Instead of just calling Bill and saying, Hey, can we chat about this for a second? This is what we want to do. We want to make a big statement and and we really look like you on board if you're okay with that. He didn't go that route, and it's just so i I really think that it shows a lack of commitment to this issue on behalf of the n b a
0: and it still shows this almost still idea that oh my God, there's something bad about this that you know revealing yeah. this would be some kind of terrible thing Where again, if he had simply talked to bill and if Bill had said. I don't want this public. Then I said it's different. But I'm certain he would have said, "Yeah, by all means," because he talked to Yahoo about exactly that two days later after Mm -hmm. um, he was suspended. So it was a really lame excuse, and they could have simply asked an employee, which is why it's so funny. Because when we talked to Dale after the season on our podcast, he heard nothing negative the entire season. It was like such a non-story. And so I thought. Also, how will it be for everybody? And then, of course, you have you know the Bill Kennedy thing. And I'm curious if Bill Kennedy had been publicly out before then, if Rondo would have said the same thing. If you know what I mean? The idea that out? you have a Ooh. you have someone who's publicly identified, the media would have, of course written about him. Would Rondo have gone that? And did Rondo go that way because he felt, in a sense, I could kind of get him?
1: Yeah, well I I think that we've said many times that coming out actually offers you protections because if 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 you're out and you and something happens, boy, the media and the public are are going to react in a particular way and that will that will that will make people shy away from doing that kind of stuff. So I I I would be shocked if Bill had been publicly out already and and that that if Rhonda would do that. That, that I would be shocked. But you're right. Right. Well, because, you know, what what happens is they
0: suspend Rondo, and then people know, oh, it was Bill Kennedy. People would have asked the very first question, did he say something anti-gay? It would have led to a lot more of a discussion versus what it was was a two-paragraph AP announcement that Rondo was suspended. And, of course, they didn't give a reason because nobody said a reason. So, in a sense, I think that – I think Rondo was probably thinking, oh, I could hit this guy where it hurts, and if his secret, his terrible secret is revealed – I'll even get him even more and, you know,
1: so, well,
0: but Bill, yeah, Bill's the only one who came out community. looking good.
1: Yeah. And, and now Rajon Rondo looks like a, a total jerk. Well, we gave him uh, one of our awards. <laughs> that's right. Well, we gave him, yes, speaking of which, we, <laughs> Rajon Rondo earned one of our year end awards, uh, I, can we say that word on the podcast?
0: Well, if we have it on our headline, I
1: guess
0: yeah, you can say <laughs> asshole
1: on a podcast. Okay, well, Rajon Rondo is is one of our two assholes of the year, <laughs> and I, I you know some people might say, oh, you just did that because it's a current story and it was fresh in your mind. Well, Jim and I give this kind of stuff quite a bit of thought, and we might make a mistake from time to time, but we both felt that given. Where this happened, in the workplace, that Rajon Rondo, it's beyond what Kobe did, just throwing the word at uh, at some random referee, that this was directed at an actual gay referee whom he, in all likelihood, knew was gay. And then the apology was so, so, it was even more lame than Kobe's, because at least somebody in Kobe's team created something original. Rajon and his team just copy and pasted somebody else's non-apology which had been criticized four years ago. So it, for us, Ray John was was one of the two biggest assholes in sports this year.
0: The other being Lance Berkman of the Houston Astros for his fight against the LGBT ordinance
1: in Houston. And ultimately, you know, I think what what Berkman did was, was worse, but, but given Given where what Rondo did, where it happened, and, and who was directed to, and sports site we decided to give them uh, <laughs> co MVP. Well, and, and
0: plus you're going to have you, you could have this happening more often when when there are more out people in sports. So I think this is sort of a template for how this should not be handled in the future. Um yeah, so I think what the, do you mean the this award well deserved. Yeah, we do re, we do think about this. Um, we gave out three awards so far, and three more are coming. We'll talk about them more next week. But yeah, the Berkman one was easy, and then Rondo. I said, well, we have a co-winner.
1: I don't even like giving a co co anything, but this 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 time around, it deserved it. Though so we did have co female athletes of the year, uh, but they're tied at the hip: Megan Rapino and Abby Wambach. I think. Their legacy, given they're both being out lesbians and both on the the U.S. national team at the same time, and I think they'll forever be connected in their names in that way. So I get, you know, yes, they're 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 co-athletes of the year, but I don't know. It just feels different. It feels it it, they feel like almost like they feel like one. They feel like almost a team. Like we're giving it to a a small two-person team.
0: Yeah, and that was such a high-profile event. I mean, it was the largest audience ever for a soccer game in the U.S., men or women, their World Cup final against Japan. And, you know, they're both, uh, Megan's engaged, Abby's married. And, um, yeah, and the searches we got during that entire event for things involving Megan and Abby were almost like sort of combined searches a lot. People were searching for news about Open lesbians in in the World Cup, and so they were they were two of the most prominent ones on the team that won. So I think that was an easy call for us.
1: Well, and and the uh, you know, stories we did about them, I I think you know we're counting down the top thirty most read stories of the year this month, and I think we have the final seventeen left to go. At least two. St- Two of those top 17 stories of the year involved one or both of these players, so it, you know, I think we we had this de- had this debate and conversation around the World Cup when people would say, "Oh, well, no one's interested in women's sports." Well, <laughs> we got a lot of traffic because we were covering these two women and 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 other out LGBT people in the in the women's World Cup. So I think you know, yeah, for how the, all the attention that they brought to women's sports. Uh, and and for that massive tv audience these two earned it plus i mean you know it i it was it was uh Wambach's kind of final farewell and whether rapino uh, i guess rapino will probably be in the olympics next year yeah
0: well she's injured but i assume she'll heal from that um
1: that's oh, right, the olympics right. or next year oh acl yeah <clears throat> Yeah, that's bad.
0: Well, yeah, she, she tweeted, to, I think, Thomas Rawls of the Seahawks. you want to rehab together? Because he got injured last year, or last week
1: um, for Seattle, yeah. so he's out. And uh, the final award that we've given out so far is Male Athlete of the Year. And what was so... Uh, it was a uh, pairs figure skater, Eric Radford, who won a world championship and. Uh, you know, if you know his story, I mean, he wasn't even really an ice skater like eight years ago. I mean, it's or he was, certainly wasn't a pairs figure skater up until a few years ago, and he, he just kind of, you know, he the, he was a natural who, who's uh, obviously gone to the 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 pinnacle of his career in a couple of years. He'll have a shot at an uh, Olympic gold medal. But we heard from a couple of people upset that we would give this to a figure skater. <laughs> That that you should have given it to someone of a more masculine sport. Like and who? I, and I thought, what's that?
0: Who who are they thinking we should have given it to?
1: I don't know. They said there are other other gay world champions this year, but I mean, was Gus Kenworthy a world champion? Gus
0: was, but the reason we didn't give it to Gus is Gus was not yet out when he won that. And I think that was the big difference with Eric. Eric had come out in November. Since coming out, he and his partner, Megan Duhamel, had not lost at all until this past weekend. They had won nine consecutive Grand Prix or World Championship events. Whereas Gus came out in October. So, yeah, you might argue that Gus might be a little more high-profile but he had not been out when he had won those things, so to retroactively give him that, I think, would have been a mistake. Um, whereas, I think mean, Eric was an easy call because he was already an out athlete. Now, Gus does fantastically this coming season. It you know could be different next year, but Gus got a runner-up, but not the not the main one. I think specifically because he's
1: only been out for two months. Well, let's be super clear. Uh, Eric Radford is more well known than Gus Kenworthy. Period. End of story. Whether you, lo- I mean, I was thinking maybe in the, in the, in the U.S., US States, more people Gus know Gus Kenworthy and
0: the whole puppy thing. That's what I meant by you know more
1: hyperbole. But worldwide, and... it's, I mean, worldwide, it's not even a contest. And besides Gus, nobody even until he came out, nobody even remembered that it was Gus Kenworthy that did those like, that brought brought those puppies from Sochi. And then, as we know, it wasn't even Gus; it was his boyfriend. Yeah, it was, was his boyfriend.
0: But, but regardless, Eric had been out while he won this, which I think is is one of the things we were we were recognizing. It wasn't yeah. like him and his partner decided. Oh my God, we can't skate anymore. The judges are hating us. No, the judges clearly didn't penalize them because I like said they had won nine consecutive events yeah. until this past weekend when they won second.
1: Well, we have uh, male and female heroes of the year still to go, and then out sports person of the year, which I'm sure we'll maybe should. I'm wary of having a, a poll uh, to see who people think it's going to be. Um, I, I, I don't like that. Well, we know how we want to pick it. What Exactly. Well, surprising. do
0: not text Sid from 10 p.m. Pacific tonight until whenever, and if you send him a spoiler, he'll probably <laughs> come personally to your house and break your leg. So. Well, <laughs> Enjoy you know, your wait, Star wait, you Wars mean, with
1: your, your boyhood exactly. friend from well, My phone will be on silent. Don't you worry about that. Um, I'm in the fantasy football semifinals, so I hope Todd Gurley runs for 300 yards and seven touchdowns tonight. Uh, that's all the time we have. Yeah, and you're playing your brother, yeah, so pod- good luck. That's right. Play My Brother podcast brought to you by AT&T, mobilizing movie world. We will talk to you next